Excellent. An ale for me. And for my officers. In fact, ales for everyone. Turn backwards. With Rick and Rick and Will and Gemma. Oh, yes. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to Ten Backward, a Star Trek podcast based in the UK, featuring myself, Will Turland, uh, a lady who is called Gemma Turland. Hello, hello. A man. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was a smooth start, wasn't it? <laughs> it only took you two guys to say a common word <laughs> in your native language. I was, I was expecting more. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Um, a man called uh, Rick Everson. Hello. Oh, and... I got it right. <laughs> Show off. <laughs> and another man who's called Rick Palmer. Hi there. And tonight we're going to be uh, talking about season three, episode four of Star Trek Picard, or uh, or just Picard. Um, so last time we recorded, we we basically decided we were going to record one episode um, and we were going to, that was going to cover the first three episodes of season three Picard, but we just um, kept talking and talking. Mm -hmm. And in the end we were like, why why didn't we, why don't we just break this into three? (laughs) Why don't we do it an episode per episode? And um, that was sensible. Yes. Uh, And I had to go, I had to go back in time in, in the editing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to add myself into the podcast to explain that to the listeners. I like um, that you're explaining that now. Yeah, and yeah. you also explained it then. And I actually over-explained it then. And you, you could argue this explanation has been unnecessary and <laughs> not concise. But some of our listeners may, for inexplicable reasons, have decided to only listen to episode four onwards of our Picard season three commentary. Mm. Yeah, this is some valuable insight into what has gone on previously. <laughs> previously on yeah yeah so so tonight the episode we're going to be talking about in this episode uh is I'm episode lost. four season three picard which is called no win scenario if you remember that one i, I do cool um so in that one if you remember the the end of the previous episode Riker was really cross with Picard. He was And he'd told him to remove himself from the bridge. <gasps> You've killed us all. You've killed us all. Remove yourself from the bridge. You've just killed us all. And this episode picks up straight after that. So the, yeah. the Titan is, is crippled. Mm-hmm. Um, Falling drifting. towards the centre of the nebula. Yes. Yeah. And they're gravitational well threatening to crush them. Mm-hmm. They they seem pretty doomed. Um and it's quite a bleak I'd say the first half of this episode is quite bleak. Mm. Like we, we get a scene with, with Picard and Riker early on where they basically Riker seems to have given up. He's basically he saying, Get get your affairs in order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Try and get this you to it. know your son in the last couple of hours, no point because we're all gonna die. <laughs> But you may as well do something. And if I were you, I'd take the next few hours to get to know your son and to get your affairs in order. I'm so sorry, Jean. Don't have any affairs, just get to know your son. <laughs> yeah. There's no time for affairs. 
Um, however, he does he does uh, let Seven go off on a changeling hunt. Yeah. Mm. Even suggesting to keep it, she keep it a secret changeling hunt for extra excitement. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, he decides it's it shouldn't be common knowledge yet that there's yeah. a changeling board, which, which seems kind of sensible. It does. Yeah, I mean, it, everyone thinks they're going to die anyway, which he does seem to. It's kind of. I, I guess he just he doesn't want to cause panic at that point. And so they all, yeah, it's all die in dignity. Yeah, I mean, if, to be fair, if I was confronted in my last few hours, I'd like to spend it sort of in a bit more peaceful contemplation, not concerned that the toothbrush is suddenly going to morph into a, into a murderer. So. <laughs> Why your toothbrush in particular? Is this some kind of deep-seated... <laughs> like you'd ever suspect the toothbrush. <laughs> yeah, well, this is true. if I was a changeling, I'd, I be able, I'd be toothbrushes all over the place. <laughs> I'll be checking every time you, now. You could. I mean, you could split yourself up into several toothbrushes. You might just do a you could. full sweep of the ship. <laughs> I don't think I've got one it in me. <laughs> yeah, one one thing I did think initially about this um, episode is that we, we get that really dramatic ending of, of season three. Um, you're like, oh, are Riker and Picard now going to be odds for the, the is, is their friendship irrevocably broken mm. and i think very quickly the answer is no yeah, they're all right aren't that they? was <laughs> too quickly wrapped up wasn't it they made friends again i think they made friends again too quickly mm. um, i think i think riker's probably regretting his, his outburst i think imagine it was probably like ah i gave into what you said and look we're all doomed but also you know riker has to accept that he was in command he'd made that yeah. choice ultimately yeah, um, he didn't have to listen. He didn't have to go. You know, and I know. Yeah, it's it's irritating when you've got Picard, who obviously is hero worshipped for bloody years, and it's constantly going on. Oh, you should attack him! You should attack him! You should attack him! <laughs> and you know, but Riker still always at every point has the power to say, "Shut up, you barmy old codger! I'm not going to attack him," <laughs> or something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I guess you have to weigh up the the annoyance of how quickly they make up with. Like, do you actually want a show where Rick, Picard and Riker aren't friends Picard anymore? And Ricard and Piker. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I yeah. don't. Want that. <laughs> and no, it would actually no. feel it would feel false that they were at odds yeah. with each other. I feel like their their friendship and like their relationship is too too long to sort of fall out over something like there that. There was something so. as. <laughs> something, something as trivial as Picard having killed them all. <laughs> but then, as Rick said, it it wasn't. Yeah, he Picard didn't give the order. So, um, Riker, it was a, a lashing out that maybe he it was. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, it's like it's like when when your kid breaks a window and he like turns to him. You told me to do that. It's like yeah, but you threw the brick still. So. <laughs> How often do you tell your kids to throw bricks at window? That's, that is silly. That is <laughs> Usually, when I'm disguised as a toothbrush, just <laughs> <laughs> like, "Hey, hey, kid, throw a brick through that window," and they're all like, "It wasn't me; it was the toothbrush." That's a very weird image. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I, but I think, but I think, basically, what what happened is they. You know, they went for as dramatic an end to episode three as they could, yeah. but I don't know if there's any real intention of having that being a lasting, um, a lasting sort of animosity between Picard and Riker. 
and you know I, I'm okay with that. Uh, yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it makes sense. Obviously, Riker's struggling with a lot of stuff as well, as, as he sort of explains. So I don't think it was a true falling out as much as it was like yeah, a lashing out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's definitely a bleak kind of opening, and that that very much continues into a. So we get a, a, a scene in the first half where we we kind of get to grips with why sure. Captain yes. Shaw, mm. yes. Um, this, I really like excellent scene. That did come after us the scene with Picard and Jack Crusher. Oh yeah. Yes. So that's, yeah, that's so, yeah. they they go to the to the quite well used uh, holodeck <laughs> bar, don't they? Yes. Um, and I, I like I like that we get a little. There is a little acknowledgement, at least, where Picard says, "Look, the the holodeck runs on a separate power cell." Yeah. Um, Given the state of the ship, the holodeck's still open. Well, it relies on a small, independent uh, power cell for this very reason, so that in times of distress, it can be a kind of sanctuary. So it's fine that this is this is still up and running, even though the ship's basically crippled and shut down. And it's like it's one of those moments where it's like, okay, fine, moving on. Yeah, that's consistent though, because Voyager established their holodeck was set off a separate power grid. Yeah, okay. Early on, they were looking at ways whether they could utilize it in, in by you know, rigging up to the main power, and it couldn't work. So mm. this isn't actually even out of in an out of nowhere thing. It's a sensible explanation based off canon as well. So, fair enough. Yeah, well, all right. <laughs> well, there is. Um, what's that Voyager two-parter where there is a character who has uh, uh, like sort of holodeck glasses that he can put on, and he and the, the oh, um, ship being destroyed. Is it that? Is it oh, that? it's um, Equinox. It's Ransom. Is it Ransom in Equinox? That, He's got a, a thing he yeah. sticks on his neck. That's it. So he can be on a on a beach. Just chilling out while the ship explodes, yeah. um, and that—that that is kind of the reasoning that Picard gives in in this episode as to why you'd have the the, the holodeck run on a separate mm. power grid, so that in times of crisis, people mm. could still come and yeah. get pissed up nice. in a bar. Yeah. <laughs> but you see, they do all come later on. A lot of them come in and do join them as well. They do. Yeah. So yeah. They end up in the bar was... full. get to listen to Shaw's little outburst. Yeah. Yeah. At the beginning of this episode as well, there's the um, the, the sort of flashback to Picard having he's having fish and chips. Yes. Um, and at ten forward, the one on Earth and mm. some cadets sort of ambush him a little bit, and because you know it's Picard, and mm. I thought that that was a it was a nice sort of. Um, uh, relationship between that scene and then the scene with with Jack, and as mm-hmm. it turns out, and then we, as as we find out later on in the episode, yeah, I um, think, yeah, some good character development there between Picard and Jack Crusher. Mm. Yeah. Also, and those the- flashbacks are kind of cool that we find out that at some point uh, Picard and the Enterprise E face the erosion. Well, fortunately for me, Lieutenant Commander Worf had cleverly constructed a deadfall trap. So when the Alpha advanced, the hunter had been turned into the prey. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's the sort of uh, that's the the bit of trivia that these cadets are trying to get out of Picard, mm-hmm. aren't they? And obviously, we only saw the Herosian in Voyager, and it's like, whoa, that would have been awesome. Worf against a Herosian. Yeah. And and one of the questions the cadets have is like, well, how you know how how did they did they get to the Delta Quadrant? The, the how did they come from the yeah. Delta Quadrant to? And, and again, it's not like entirely unrealistic because um, when they sent their doctor through and he turns up on the um, Prometheus, they shunted his signal through an erosion, um, uh, like a, a array of mm-hmm. a, a, a erosion network of boost relays, which right. did get into the Alpha Quadrant. So clearly, the erosion have got that capability, or at some point, has spread that far. So it was it was a solid choice to pick the erosion far. I thought. But yeah, I, Picard's all like, I'm not much of a storyteller, and then it's like pushes his dinner aside. Right, and this is what happens. <laughs> Basically, stands up and he's like, pulls back a curtain. He's prepared some powerpoints. Just <laughs> like. <laughs> keep going on about his dinner getting cold, but he bloody bloody loves the attention, doesn't he? he? Does. Absolutely. Yeah. I did love the use of that scene, that thread all the way through the episode, mm. and how it how it en- how it started and how it ended, and. It, it changed its focus and the, what you assumed its purpose was all the way through, and it was excellently done. Yes, because through, throughout, at first, it seemed like what he was talking—he was talking about the importance of family and mm, relying and on the people around you, and that that mm. seemed informing, you know, as the episode goes on and they have to work together to overcome their problems. That seems to be informing that, and then it's a—it's a lovely rug pull at the end Mm -hmm. isn't it that actually the point of those flashbacks were that that jack had had shown up Mm -hmm. um ready to talk to him you went on and on about your crew your life in starfleet did you have a life outside of that about a, a real family young man starfleet has been the only family I have ever needed. Which was a devastating thing for his son to hear. <laughs> yeah. It's a brilliant moment that kind of cuts through the, the mm. sort of victory moment at mm-hmm. the end. We've, we've ended up getting ahead of we ourselves. Have slightly, yeah. um, well, I have pushed <laughs> us ahead. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I, th- I really liked those, um, those flashback scenes mm-hmm. and the way they use those to sort of tell that character story thought that was that was really good mm. that was some some clever writing actually I thought. yeah absolutely and the heart hearts with jack and the his constant trying to get jack um on board with starfleet and to join starfleet and jack's just i have no interest in joining starfleet that's mm. just not who i am um i find that interesting it's interesting how um well, most of the established characters who have gone on to have children very few of them choose to join starfleet and there's yeah. um geordie's uh, daughters of course yeah but but look at cisco and yeah. and um and jake you know they have a really good healthy relationship mm. but jake very much doesn't feel like starfleet's the no the thing for him and you know maybe that's partly from from seeing you know, how, how, like how his dad has to deal with all of these these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and got, I mean, 
I don't know what Worf's son is up to. But yeah, can we talk about that mm, see mm. that sure scene? Mm. Which which is a great uh, it's, it's a great scene where where Captain Shaw basically reveals he was at the Battle of Wolf three five nine and he was a survivor, um, and that is the kind of trauma that he's carrying mm. with him, and that is a huge kind of explanation as to um, why he's been such a jerk. <laughs> I mean, he clearly had a hang up about the Borg, didn't he? Um, yeah. yeah. So we get to see some of that. But yeah, I mean, that, that's like serious survivor's guilt. He's mm. like, he, he doesn't understand why he was picked. I mean, no one can understand it. He clearly just random. Yeah. No yeah. other way to do it. It's like, but yeah, something's clearly haunting him for years. Yeah, I was just in engineering. Just a, a grease monkey. And the next second... It's like... Like space itself was burning. Fifty of us made it down to the life deck. But uh oh, there's just one life pod, ten seats. It's a great moment though, because I think you get. I mean, I think we've all, all felt some sympathy for for, sure. for Captain yeah, Shaw definitely. for sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> because he's like because a lot of the things he's saying. Like he, he usually has a fair point. Yeah. But I think in this this scene we we understand a lot more about him and, and um why he's so angry all, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's also just like it's a well written, well acted scene. Yeah. You know, it's it's great. Yeah, I mean I I think with this with this scene that we get we we get a, like an eyewitness account of what happened mm, i mean yeah. so far i mean so far we've really just seen the aftermath i mean we sort we see it, we see it briefly at the beginning of ds9 but not not to any great extent and yeah and i think with with you know and todd stashwick does such a a great job in this scene of of, of um uh, as as sure um about what it was like and i, I you can't quite I don't think you can ever prepare yourself for something like that. Even, even, and he was a kid as well. Like he's, mm. you know, he was a, a, like a non-commissioned. Was he like a non-commissioned officer or something? I guess at that point, maybe in engineering or something. Or I don't know, uh, really. It's not. It's not clear. Like a, crew, I mean, to, like a crewman, maybe. I think. Yeah, to be a captain, you must have had to go to the academy and gone through the ranks. But yeah, maybe he did that after this. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, mm. but yeah, I mean, it's. Like the, the sort of the, I guess the devastating nature of what happened and how mm. how quickly it was all over, basically. I mm. guess is you get a real sense of that. I think. Yeah. yeah. It's it's interesting that Wolf Three Five Nine is still like that is a major event in mm. in history at that point, isn't it? That's like a like a like a traumatic defeat that that Starfleet. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, they they weren't ultimately defeated, but in that battle, they were. Mm, yeah, um, and it's yeah, you know, even it's if well you won. have like battles in the Dominion War where Starfleet loses more ships, you know that Starfleet gave as good as they got, and the other side lost a bunch of ships. You know, an impact yeah. is had on both sides. In that time, we lost forty ships, and the other side, not a problem, nothing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like, 
And then, you know, and ultimately from that, they literally ended up in Earth orbit. It was skin and teeth kind of thing. Earth was nearly lost. Yeah. So I think that leaves a mark on the on the psyche of a, of a world, doesn't it? It's like, that's, mm. that's going to haunt them for decades. It? Yeah. It's akin, I suppose, to a sort of terrorist attack because it's a it's a it's a huge attack but it's in peacetime mm-hmm. you know and it's come out of the blue it's not it, mm. i guess the dominion war is a little bit different because it's you know those battles were expected yeah i guess um yeah tensions had been building for a couple of years prior to the dominion war you kind of expect it don't you? yeah but all of a sudden out of nowhere there's this cube just drops out of the sky and uh destroys 40 of your ships with not, not a scratch like... there's another scene earlier on I, th- I think it's earlier on with with seven um where they're discussing uh, changelings and and how they how they mm. how they work and you know, mm. seven hasn't encountered one before and Shaw has and and he talks to her a little bit about that and we get um i think we get to see odo briefly on a pad yeah um, yeah which is cool um it's a fun bit where Shaw says that you have to steal their parts. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, I liked all that stuff. The, the, the seven Shaw relationship is softening a little bit, mm, I, yeah. Get. Yeah, I get. I feel like Shaw's starting to respect her a bit more. Well, there is that marvellous um, bit where he talks as if, oh, yeah. I've misjudged you and everything. And it's, it's what I would say is if you're a changing, yeah. not just a dick. Look, you and I got off on the wrong foot. I underestimated you. You have great instincts. You are a natural leader. Make a great captain one day. Which is something I totally would say. If you were a changeling and not just a dick. Now you're starting to catch up. <laughs> that was hilarious. But but also, but I feel like he like he was able to say that because their relationship was softening a bit. Mm, like I he, think that's he, what he really thinks, but it's not what he would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. Um, yeah, but I think so later that, in the episode we see that because they work together to, um, don't they? And they go down to then do the engineering, open the warp vents. Yeah, um, classic yeah. Star Trek. Yeah, isn't it just? It's a brilliant thing. But I think them the way they're having to work together definitely improves their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's 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 go into the into the the second half of the episode mm-hmm. where it feels like we switch from Star Trek Picard into into full on TNG, mm. doesn't it? Just and it's uh, it's just it just felt great. It was like here we are in a you know the, the ship's in in trouble. Um, they they need to put their heads together and come up with a, like a batshit crazy solution <laughs> to get them out. Of it. Uh, and it means everyone has to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to. There's some techno babble. Um, uh, someone has to fly the ship in a certain way. Mm-hmm. There's an asteroid field involved, and oh, it's just great, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the moment when the when um, the crushers have come up with the plan, mm-hmm. and then Picard like hears it and he's like, "This is brilliant! Right, let's go to Riker." And Riker's yeah. a bit like, "Oh, I don't know. Ah, oh, no, let's go for it." So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're into some classic TNG stuff there. It's just, oh, this is so good. Yeah, I, I mean, I really like the way that, that that plays out because you get the, those sort of energy bursts were happening in the previous episode, mm. but they they weren't given a lot of... They were just there, Yeah. but there was a lot going on in the previous episode, and it was almost like the characters didn't really 
have time to just think about what they were but um but you know on on rewatch it's like they they were they were there all along and, yeah. and Beverly had noticed them and so she was counting them counting down to them and stuff she, yeah she'd spotted a pattern and everything and obviously plays into the thing that they come up with in the end it, it yeah. was it was one of those logic leaps <laughs> that you have to rely on in order to to make the story run run along the lines no well, you, why would yeah. you why would you immediately equate them to contractions well i i mean like they've seen things like that before haven't they yeah. as as Picard says, far point. <laughs> Space babies. This nebula is a womb, and we are swimming in its amniotic fluid. Now, we've encountered species before, life forms, that thrive in the vacuum of space. Far point. Exactly. Yeah, th- this is insane. <laughs> there's, the, there's the other one that literally they had a space-born life form, um, which they accidentally killed, and it had a baby, and they literally they, they had to give it a cesarean. Um, it's the phases, and, yeah. and then it kind of it it then attacks to the Enterprise and yeah. try to drain the energy, uh, leading to them having to sour the milk. So Dr. Brahms and I changed the power frequency from 21 centimeters to 0.02 centimeters. So you soured the milk. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you soured the milk. <laughs> you soured the milk. Scotty <laughs> <laughs> always loved so. Yeah, yeah, Rich, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Geordie tells him that story in the mm-hmm. episode where, um, oh, what, what's the name of that? Relics, episode? relics, relics. Mm-hmm. I say it with Scotty Gestas. Well, he tells that story because it's much better than the whole. Oh yeah, and I met Leah Brahms, who uh, was actually <laughs> a real woman, but I had a holographic fantasy version of her for years. She found out oh, Jordy, don't tell me about difficult yeah. relationships with women. <laughs> there was this. There was this one time. <laughs> yeah, I murdered a prostitute. <laughs> Johnny's sex, like, sex worker. Yeah. Sex worker. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Geordie say, yeah, that trumps my. <laughs> <laughs> Yet somehow Geordie's is still creepier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is actually. <laughs> he Scotty openly murdered a sex worker. You know, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he looked a bit upset about it afterwards. <laughs> yeah. where, where Geordie got mad at Leah Brahms for yeah. being mad about yeah. his hollow version of her, which was yeah. bizarre. Like shouted at her. Well, maybe you should not be mad at my weird, creepy behaviour. <laughs> Whereas guys like, oh, I've murdered someone. That's not good. It's gonna look, it's gonna look a bit awkward on on, on the performance review. <laughs> McCoy described yeah. him to yeah. go to a club. It was. So it's McCoy. It's Mac- yeah, yeah, it was. Well, we've fully I mean, we established have, yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, we've, we've, we've gone slightly off topic. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, so I loved, I loved how every character came together to to play a part in, in a in, in that batshit crazy. That yes, okay, maybe it's a little bit of a leap in logic, but <laughs> I prefer to think of it as sort of intuitive thinking. Yeah, okay, we'll go with that. Yeah. Um, based on their previous experience, okay. I think it's and it's a sign that how what an expert diagnosis maker doctor diagnostician i suppose yeah Yeah, even 
even at, like at the gravitational mass in the center of the nebula she's able to diagnose is is giving birth so that's how good she is yeah <laughs> and we get the whole the idea that they're gonna they're gonna sort of ride this rider this kind of this sort of energy shock wave, wave out yeah and use not that. just ride it out they're gonna like literally absorb the energy into the engines mm-hmm. and use it to jump start yeah, that's right. They and in order to, to do that... They have to pop all the flaps off the nacelle <laughs> so it can absorb it properly. Um, yeah. And it's just... Um, yeah, it's great stuff. The the, mm. the only question I had about that, there's a point where... Um, so Picard is... Picard helms the ship. You know, he's the pilot, basically, to fly them through mm. the asteroid field. And they kind of decide, yeah, he's the best person to do it because he's, yeah, cause he's he done it. that before. But I was like, but isn't it, wasn't it established in TNG that Riker was the best pilot? Yeah, I think it was, actually. But, um, but Picard, there is an episode where Picard does navigate the Enterprise through a through an asteroid field, right? And he, sling, and he yeah. uses yeah. the gravity of a... So, there is the um, that has happened it's, before. It's booby trap where the Enterprise has been trapped and they've power absorbed, and that's where Geordie comes up with his holographic layer of arms. It all connects back to this, doesn't it? Ah, it all comes <laughs> back to layer, yeah. Um, yeah, so he decides to take the helm. I don't know if that's as much of an expertise thing as just feeling a responsibility for his own ship. Yeah, he spent most of that episode with the ship powering down, feeling completely helpless. So. I think, I I think mean, when it comes to the one thing that basically it relies on one person doing piloting, so his own hubris, uh, of course, makes him the one to take the chair. Yeah. And you could maybe you could argue, okay, Riker was the best shuttle pilot, but maybe in terms of piloting a starship. A, sh- a starship. A starship. <laughs> but also, don't they already have a pilot? Um, well, technically, the pilot was Geordie. And then no, 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 he no, became I'm, chief no, engineer. No, and not, oh, not Geordie. But Geordie's daughter Ge- actually Geordie was daughter. the pilot. Yeah, yeah. she's actually mm. the pilot and is au fait with <laughs> modern systems. That's true. And is a trained pilot. I, yeah, I think she... the problem is when in the first episode, Riker comes in the bridge and goes, oh, weren't you, the, weren't you the one who crashed that shuttle? <laughs> Don't they call you Crash LaForge? Um, so the, I think everyone's sort of opinion of her piloting is a bit tainted now. Right, let's, get this hundred, let's get this hundred-year-old android yeah. <laughs> driving the ship instead. Just, yeah. <laughs> Whatever didn't, it, Rick, it didn't, didn't chat GP, was it chat GPT, tell you, explain to you why Picard is against the patriarchy? Yeah, but uh, to be fair, if you ask it, it can also tell you that Picard is, is in favour of it. So, <laughs> Honestly, it's a bit swings around about stuff then. It will essentially tell you whatever you want it to. I did, I did ask it earlier what kind of shoes God would wear, but it didn't. It, it copped out, it wouldn't answer. Sandals, clearly. Sandals. I don't know, I think in this day and age, he'd probably go for a nice Converse. He'd be looking for a bit of com- comfort. You say that, but I can't wear Converse because my feet are too wide. So maybe that's God's. God, are you not feet? I don't think that you're God, Gemma. Well, I'm not saying I'm God. I'm saying I'm like God in many okay. ways. In, 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 <laughs> in the feet department, you're very much like God. I don't. I don't feel I'm properly prepared for this argument. So I'm just going to accept that. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that claim. 
Um, but yeah, again, going back to Picard. Um, so then we get a scene down in the um, engine room where uh, Shaw and and Seven are working on on popping the flaps off the nacelles yes. so they can absorb all the energy and. And they realise that would be a per- the perfect point mm. for the changeling to attack. Yeah. So it, it does. Um, I I did... So when I first watched this episode, I was a little disappointed because I was hoping they would make a bit more of the, you know, the sense of paranoia that mm. you can get in a story where one character is, is not who they seem. Mm. You know, you have an imposter character... And, you know, they did a really good job of that in DS9 in, uh, was, was it like the season three finale? It was, um, yes. The adversary. Yes. yes. That's a brilliant episode. And I basically wanted them to kind of replay that. But to be honest, in re- now we have, as we've got a bit further into the series, it's like actually we, we do get more of that later on. Yeah. So perhaps that, that was a decision that they took. Let, let, let's not let's not be repeating storylines too much. Mm. Let's save the paranoia for for what's going to happen next. Um, so I've, I've made a piece of that. I'm mm. okay with it. I think as, as the series progresses, they kind of play that paranoia story on a much larger scale. Don't they? Yeah, so. yeah. And to be fair, there's a lot going on in this episode, so that it, it feels like it would yeah. bog it down if you're trying to do that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. They they do that story later on anyway, so it's it's, it's okay. okay. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's 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 still a cool moment. It is, it is, because um, they're ready for it, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, also the changeling makes a poor choice when it decides to show up um, being Sydney. Yeah, because I suppose it assumed that Sydney was a likable person everyone trusts. So, but also yeah. in, in, the, in the current situation, you thought they're not going to just send their key pilot. And then appreciate, obviously, Picard has taken hell. But as you point out, he is 100 years old. So <laughs> it might be best to have your, your, your main pilot on standby, not wandering the ship going, oh, do you need that or anything? <laughs> Does anyone want a coffee? <laughs> going to the drinks which Does anyone want anything? <laughs> bloody hell, we're a bit busy. <laughs> Um, but it does pay off the fact that um, Sydney uh, refuses to dead name Seven like Shaw insists on. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, so at the climax of the episode, uh, the Shrike appears out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's like, it's like a kind of a real, oh shit moment. Mm-hmm. And then Riker very quickly is like, let's grab an asteroid and, and just chuck it at. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> That's pretty cool. Will, did you just throw an asteroid? Goddamn right, I did. And it's like it's very, very quick, but it's it's a cool moment though. I thought it was like, oh no, now what's going to? Oh, okay, they've they've sorted it. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's the Riker in command that I kind of felt that we missed in a bit in episode three. Yeah, the yeah. One makes the bold and, and you know surprising moves, and I did like they actually played into how the Shriker chucked the Elios at um at them in the, in episode two. Yeah. The, that that does remind me of a of a point that I was slightly confused by where they so <clears throat> earlier on in the episode the sh- it it turns out that the the shrike have to abandon their uh, portal weapon mm-hmm. uh, 
Oh, um, um, I think it's in this episode where Vandit gets a phone call uh, through mm. her hand. Yeah, she yeah. has to like, cut her hand off and talk to talk yeah. to it. Which seems really impractical. But we we discover at that point that that Vandik is not the one who's calling the shots. Mm-hmm. She she is working for somebody else, mm. um, using Shinzan's knife to cut her hand off as well. Oh, oh is that is that Shinzan's knife? Um, yeah, I mean it's probably just. You didn't I don't know. That. But it's all, it's also that knife's also been in Buffy apparently. So yeah. it's a, it's a prop that's gone around. So I don't oh, think okay. I don't think. It'll be, there'll be any connection to things on in this. It's just a nice it's, it's just a it's just a cool knife, I think. Ah, okay, I didn't know that. No, yeah, that's cool. Oh god, can you imagine if it turned out that the, the main adversary is actually Shins on? Oh, and played by they got back old uh, Tom Hardy. Uh, Tom Hardy. That'd be amazing. Could <laughs> lose their shit. I mean, Shinzon did not go down well in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think I think Tom Hardy could. It'd be, it'd be great if he got a chance to have a second go of it. Because mm. old old Shinzano was a really in- interesting villain. Um, it just he he wasn't interesting in Nemesis, but the whole idea of him was, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think with a few minor changes, uh, Nemesis could have been a really good film. So. Yeah. It plays into um, some things that happen later on. Well, yeah, I guess so, actually. It does, yeah. But I don't oh, actually... Yeah, okay, so we, we'll, we'll, we'll park that observation for a couple episodes then. Yeah. And let's, let's get it out of parking when we get to that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's an interesting point. But the yeah the the, the really long winded rambling <laughs> point I was trying to make is why do they so they have to drop the portal weapon because the the effect the the, uh, the gravity well isn't it? yes the gravity yeah. well is going to have an adverse effect on it it'll be dangerous like they just chuck it out they just chuck it out the ship hmm. just pop it out a window because <laughs> like, hang on a minute can't you just deactivate it yeah. <laughs> surely if you just power it down yeah. that's to show that it was. It's irrelevant to them now. I suppose, yeah, because the I mean, it, it becomes an issue that something's stolen from Daystrom, mm. and and at that point we're thinking it's the portal weapon. Um, but yeah, as we'll find out later, it's something else. So I suppose Jim is absolutely right. The there is there is actually it's not particularly it's useful, but it's not important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and is was that almost a point where the writers were saying, "Look, forget about this portal weapon. It's mm-hmm. kind of it's a cool thing, but it's not the thing." So mm-hmm. we're literally chucking it out of the story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, in, in my, I do think it would have been a handy thing. It's like at least put like a beacon on it, so so you could go back to it. Maybe that's what they did. Because she could have picked it up, and then it, it was going to be useful later on, yeah, surely. But maybe they did do that. Maybe they did. They just. You, did that off screen i guess you can all i mean in my head canon i just think like faddock's batshit crazy mm. so like mm. wouldn't it be a kind of a she's just had that call to say she's got to go back into the nebula is she just like fine chuck the poor weapon i don't even care um she's you know she's not she's maybe not thinking rationally in the, in the same way that, that we would yeah, say possibly she i believe that character could take that decision to just Love the portal weapon. Yeah, it's immensely powerful weapon. Check it out the window. I don't even care. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck this <What>? weapon. Yeah. 
so then, yes, they're, they're out of their dodgy situation, he- heading back into Federation space. Riker's able to have a phone call with Troy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we get, we get a bit more Cockney Troy, which is nice. We basically end the episode, everything's fine. Is, is it the end of that episode where we start getting the suggestion that everything might not be quite right with Jack? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's where he is having some strange hallucinations. Oh, I think he. No, I think he has he had. had yeah. He started one when, when he was um, first encountered the changeling in the third episode. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. But we. But yeah. Now we're getting the, the red spreading growth and phrases yeah. like well, "find me and together soon." Mm-hmm. And he sees that door, doesn't he? And we we also get that we get that flashback at the end, which which we've already talked yes. about earlier on in our in our episode, <laughs> which which undercuts the <clears throat> uh, the sort of vic- sense of victory you get at the end of that episode, mm. which which I quite liked. I thought that was clever. A slight nitpick I had, I did I wasn't sure about the line right at the end, um, where Riker says, "Now let's boldly get the hell out of here." <laughs> I think we should boldly get the hell out of here. Uh, did you have to say that, right? Yes, yes, you did, because I mean, it was awesome. Stop being a spoil sport. <laughs> no, I mean, do you know, I, I was I, I was caught up in the moment, and I wasn't like, it was really afterwards when I started thinking, <laughs> that was a bit of a cringy line, wasn't it? I think I stand by that it was awesome. Okay, right, it could okay. be cheesy. It could be cheesy sometimes. I guess so. I guess so. It's just a bit like oh. it reminds me of that um, uh, of the line in First Contact where uh, Zephyr and Cochrane send so you're all, you're, yeah. you're all astronauts on some sort of Star Trek. Yeah, it's like that's the name of the thing. <laughs> he said it. He said it. <laughs> he said the name of the thing. Um, yeah, to be fair, though, it's it's not too overdone. I mean. We've been watch, re-watching um, Doctor Who lately. My kids have now got into it, so we've just gone through the Matt Smith and into the Peter Capaldi, and they really went to town on the whole Doctor Who thing. Everyone says it five times a flipping episode at one point. It's no. ridiculous. So okay. I think once I've sat through that, a, a minor reference to Boldly Go, and and that's the, the only one we've been off since 1996. Yeah, I'm not too worried. <laughs> yeah. And, like, to be fair, Riker had just thrown an asteroid at a, 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 a Shrike. Like, yeah, yeah I, I gave him a bit of leeway there. So, has anyone, has anyone got any... Are there any, any things that we haven't talked about this episode yet that we that anyone wanted to say about? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what? I don't know. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> um, no, I don't think... No, I think, I think we've covered the main... The pertinent points. I feel like we have. Other than I, I really, really like this episode, and, mm. and I did a full rewatch. Well, not a full rewatch, but a rewatch of the point of, of all the broadcast episodes. I think this one is my favourite so far uh, in retrospect. Really? Mm. I just feel like this this episode was firing well, on all cylinders, what? even compared to the next one. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> but we're well. We'll. Maybe this is the right time to bring this episode to a close and start talking about the next episode. Okay. Cool. Right. Well, let's let's close this off uh, and then let's talk about the next one. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Thanks very much for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed our talking. And we will be back to talk about um, episode five of season three of Picard. Yep. See you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Do you realise how incredible this is? It's tradition. You haven't noticed that bum? What? That bum. Oh no! I will say. I will say. Fewer things. Fewer things. Okay. Enough of this self-indulgence. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, our website is www.loweredexradio.co.uk. You can reach us on the Twitters at at 10 backward, 10 being the number and backward being the word backward. We're also on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash 10 backward podcast. You can also email us at crew at loweredexradio.co.uk. On a personal, individual level, my Twitter is at Wilturland. Rick Everson's Twitter is at TrekFanRick. And Rick Palmer's Twitter is at Mr. Imhotep. Hi, thank you again for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you might consider supporting us. We have now have a Patreon uh, where people can uh, pledge small amounts to fund our ongoing projects like uh, keeping our website up to date, uh, um, new audio equipment as we're going along and potentially uh, opportunities to expand our content uh, you can go look at this at patreon.com forward slash radio uh, if you don't feel you can donate but would still like to support us we would love it if you could subscribe to us or however get your podcast through iTunes, Stitcher Google Play or we're on various third party apps and if you could leave us a review on any of those that would be fantastic and would be very appreciative Thanks again for listening, and please tune in for more podcasts from the 10 Backward Crew. Let's make sure that history never forgets the name. 10 Backward? Laddie, don't you think you should rephrase that? 10 Backward. 10 Backward. Look, you and I got off on the wrong foot. I underestimated you. You have great instincts. You are a natural leader. Make a great captain one day. Which is something I totally would say. If you were a changeling and not just a dick. Now you're starting to catch on.